Thanks very much, Matt. My name is Chris Reid. I'm the CEO of Near Metals. Near Metals is a Australian stock exchange listed project developer. We innovatively develop opportunities in minerals and advanced materials essential for a sustainable future. Well, there you go. That's that's a nice short and sweet to the point. How are you, how are you Chris? How are you, Jeremy? Very well. Very well, Matt. Good, good, good. Well, look, before we do an end of year roundup, you've had a heck of a year. Share price up over four four times. So um, I think shareholders are happy. Um, but I want to see if there's more to come. Um, can we start off? First of all, though, with the uh, announcement this week of the deal with uh, Bondalti, which is to commercialise uh, the lithium process in Portugal, Europe. What, what are you doing there? Yeah, sure. Um, look, we developed a, a process called ELI a number of years ago uh, when we were a partner with Minres at Mount Marion. So when we, uh, when we made the decision to develop Mount Marion with Ganfin, we moved this technology that we'd been developing. And essentially what it does is enables um, the production of lithium hydroxide from either a brine directly, which is a lithium chloride solution, uh, or from a lithium chloride solution generated from leaching spodumene. So this process, we originally started it as a, as a tool uh, to get lower operating costs and to produce more hydroxide. And so, you know, we now find ourselves at the point in the uh, lithium cycle that at some stage this decade, we're going to reach peak spodumene, right? And, and there's a real challenge. Where do we get the next million tonnes of LCE or two million tonnes? of LCE to make sure that we've got enough lithium for the batteries because it is the only non-substitutable uh, element in the battery. Uh, and so 70% of the world's lithium resources lie in lithium chloride brine deposits. Uh, and so this process enables, I guess, the developers to do what they do best, which is to pump the water into ponds and to let the sun do its work uh, remove the sodium and the potassium via crystallization, which it does when it um, evaporates the water. You're then left with a concentrated lithium. So rather than using the more expensive carbon intensive uh, process where you use soda, ash and caustic, what we do is we can actually purify using solvent extraction and iron exchange, not too dissimilar to what we use at the battery recycling. Uh, and electrolysis so that we can use renewable power to do a lot of the work. And so for a fraction of the operating costs and a fraction of the capital costs, we were able to enter into an agreement with Bondelti, who have experience in electrolysis, to look at developing uh, a lithium hydroxide facility on the Iberian Peninsula. You know, there's about 3 million cars made on the Iberian Peninsula, the majority of those in Spain, to a lesser extent, Portugal. So to underwrite the future of, of, of that, you know, the uh, powers that be want domestic production of lithium hydroxide to go into EVs in the future. Okay, so you, you, Chris, you, you, you guys talk about the commercialisation of this. So I'm, I'm trying to wonder where you're focused in on. Is, it, is the technology done and dusted and that's nice and easy because you've cracked, cracked it already or is it about how do we get something in Europe which is able to process in Europe and supply into the European market? I mean, 
what do you mean by yeah, commercialization? So it's, it's, it's in two parts. So, you know, we've, we've got a technology just like the battery recycling technology. And so what we've got is a, is a very strong technical partner to go through that final stage of evaluation, which is piloting the brines. So originally we developed this process on lithium chloride solutions from Chile. We have tested Argentine, Argentinian brines from various deposits. Uh, but we originally started it with lithium chlorides that we made from Mount Marion spodumene, right? And so we've tested these on a continuous semi-pilot scale that we did up in uh, Buffalo, New York, which is a sort of home of chloralkali. Uh, and now we're, we're, we're doing that in a dedicated pilot facility that will be located at Bondelti's uh, Estereia chloralkali facility because, you know, one, you've got access to, um, you know, infrastructure, trained staff, um, it's permitted and all the waste products just plumb into the existing infrastructure. So it's the perfect spot. It's a bit like when we went with SMS, we've built a demo plant in the middle of their construction, um, their centre of manufacturing. Well, here we're putting a pilot plant at the centre of operations. And it's an identical process. So electrolyzing a lithium chloride solution is, and, and lithium is a is an alkali material, same as sodium uh, and potassium. So chloralkali is a hundred year old plus technology. We use traditional chloralkali cells. We have to use uh, a little bit more power, but we produce a, a product product that's probably ten times the value. Of, uh, of the traditional chloral alkali producers. So they produce caustic soda, we produce lithium soda or lithium hydroxide. That's, that's what its modern name is. But you're going to need to feed this machine that you've, you've built here. Sure. So location, I get, I get why it's going to be appealing um, within the EU um, you know, um, battery metal uh, arena. But Lithium is a very te technical problem to solve, right? In the sense that it's not like digging up gold and go, there's gold. This is each, yep. each feed is different. The, 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 um, yep. the contract is different. So where are you going to get it from? What kind of deal are you going to have to put in place to make sure that you can consistently get enough feed to, um, feed the, feed this process that you're, you're, um, putting in place? Yeah, sure. So, you know, uh, selling a 6% Salar concentrated brine has been done before. Uh, SQM and Ganfeng had a, a business centred around that from 2010 to 2015 um, before the price, you know, we went on a, another pricing cycle. So I think what Eli does, and we've got flexible business models, so we can look to developers principal in a joint venture. We could license it out. You know, we've got a whole myriad of the ways that we can commercialise this technology. So, you know, what we've chosen here is, you know, one of the beauties of Eli is that you can unlock um, lithium brine deposits that are in the ground, right? So it's, it's if you have a look at the history of lithium production from brine, all of those operations have taken, you know, a very long time to get built and to operate. It's easy to pump water into ponds and to take out the sodium and the potassium. And then you have to take out, they use uh, lime and, and, and carbonate to obviously then downstream process. So the easy part is to make the salar concentrated brine. The hard part is turning that into the chemicals. 
And you can go back and you can have a look at La Negritu, you can have a look at Oricobre. You know, these they, they haven't been smooth sailing and have taken longer uh, than probably envisaged. And and it's not just limited to brine, some of the hard rock deposits are, have too. And certainly the hard rock converter plants that are in Australia have taken longer to commission. So, you know, you would it's it, it and think of the, the Salar concentrated brine as like a liquid spodumene. One six percent Li2O in a rock, the other one's six percent Li in a liquid solution. So the Chinese take spodumene exclusively pretty much in China uh, and and convert that into the lithium chemicals. What we're doing is actually putting those same converters, refineries, we can put those in different spots. I mean, ultimately the best spot to put it is up at the Salar, right? And and powered from renewable energy. And, you know, there's these modern DLEs, so direct lithium extraction proponents. You know, there's 60-odd different DLE variants, right, uh, or companies that are promoting these um, direct lithium extraction processes. Well, what do they recover? They recover lithium chloride. So rather than bringing mountains of soda ash and then mountains of caustic to make carbonate and then hydroxide and having all these byproducts and trucks whizzing down from you know the salars down to the coast and stuff you you would be able your biggest reagent uh, is is electricity and so how we've developed our flow sheet is that we make excess lithium hydroxide uh and we can sparge co2 through it to make carbonate and we actually use the carbonate the lithium carbonate and the lithium hydroxide to take out some of the impurities so rather than introducing sodium into the process to remove impurities, we add lithium and just keep a recirculating load of 10 to 15%. So um, it is, I mean, you can have a look at the operating and, and, and capital costs that we've published. Um, you know, they, they whether it's hard rock or brine, um, they are a game changer. And what we think is rather than trying, you know, helping people, and there's lots of lithium brine deposits, so you worry about, you know, making a concentrate and, and we can buy it off you for, you know, a percentage. And if you have a look at the percentages, they range if you have a look at the, 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 the trade data from, you know, if it's FOB, CFR, you know, it sort of oscillates around the 50%. So the lithium, aqueous lithium chloride solution would pay about 50% of what the contained LCE would be. So that leaves plenty... You know, you could buy lithium chloride off these guys, and all they've got to do then is to build ponds. They don't have to build chemical plants in exotic places, and import soda ash from the US and caustic, and you know, it all gets a bit very difficult. Whereas ours, you're doing everything up at the Salar, uh, and you're using potentially renewable power to give you the lowest carbon footprint. Is, but is that the most efficient way here? Because I'm trying to work out how, when you use the word commercialization, it, there's, there's a lot in that. It's a very loaded word, isn't it? Where You've got a pilot plant in, in Europe and saying, we've got a technology which, which works. We've tried it on, on a number of solutions. Um, and we think, we think we're good at this. You've got lots of, um, you know, brine producers who struggle here, cash constrained in terms of their ability to capture, uh, value or quite frankly, money for, further downstream. So you walking up and saying, we can potentially help you here technically and possibly yeah, well, financially. So what, what's, what's the preferred, model you know why, why does having a pilot plant in europe mean that 
um, it's a good thing to go, you know, into South America and maybe build some of these smaller, you know, similar size plants to help the, these guys out. Is well, that the most got, efficient you've way? Got a, you've, got, you've got a pathway to commercialization, right? Because it's a full industrial chloralkali, right? And so you could displace the sodium chloride with lithium chloride and make much, much more money. And they like to have the lithium hydroxide close to where it's being used. You know, the cathode makers like nice, fresh lithium hydroxide because in time, it'll turn into carbonate. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess the value proposition, if I've, it'd, be, it'd be like saying, I've got a spodumene operation and it's in the middle of, say, Russia, right? And, and okay, well, maybe I can't, you know, for infrastructure or whatever, I, I can't get it to a converter. So I'm going to have to actually, I'm compelled to build my own downstreaming plant. So I can't start up as a spodumene operation and then use the cash to build my refinery down the road, you know, or down, you know, in the future, which is pretty much de rigueur for all the new developers, Everyone is going to move to integrated operation, but if you can get them up and running and make money, you know, as a as a concentrate operation, then these these brine resources are very very large. So you might just be we we might buy it off them for a few years. We might toll convert it. We might do joint ventures. We might go and buy our own brine. Right? We have that flexibility. The the. You know, it's, it's, it's really not that dissimilar from the battery recycling insofar as we've got flexible business models. We've got a low-cost process. Uh, it's very, very attractive economics, but we have to do deals to feed the battery plant. You have to do deals to feed the lithium refinery. Every refiner in China, if they're not integrated, has to go into the spot market and buy spodumate. That's the next, you know... And, and a lot of those guys would all be very similar in operating costs. Whereas ours is, you know, a, a, a very much uh, order of magnitude less than the uh, current technology. Fantastic product. If you go back and have a look at the announcements that we've made historically about it, uh, leading carbon footprint, you, you, it's basically impossible to get a lower carbon footprint than what, we've been uh, looking at. If you have, you know, DLE powered by renewable energy and you have the purification electrolysis powered by renewable energy uh, and you, your main reagent is a bit of lithium carbonate, lithium hydroxide, uh, a bit of solvent extraction and ion exchange, you know, it's, uh, it's a very, very competitive and compelling argument. Okay, but what, what, what are the restrictions for you? Because if I look at your lithium-ion um, battery recycling project, if I look at the vanadium recovery project, if I look at Barambi titanium and vanadium project, they have scale, obvious scale to me. This thing, is it going to be constrained by the need to raise capital to, you know, for the, for the CapEx component? I, you know, are you going to have multiple projects requiring multiple sites and multiple plants of whatever scale? Is that, is that like a constraint here or is it, have you got a way around that? No, well, look, you know, in terms of what the capital investment is uh, for these, it's the economics aren't that dissimilar on an integrated basis for the battery recycling, right? Um, in terms of the potential market, you know what the demand is going forward. Lithium production by 2030 
has to grow at about 30% compound per annum, right? All of the spodumene guys are going to be tapped out 25, 26, something like that. We will be at somewhere around peak spodumene, right? And people go, oh, that's great. You know, the world will be in balance to lend. Well, actually, no, the spodumene goes to China. China will decide how balanced the world is. So if it doesn't come from Australian hard rocks or African hard rocks or North American hard rocks, South American hard rocks, say that, uh, or Chinese hard rocks, you know, where does it come from? 70% of the resources are in brines, right? So, you know, uh, the Bolivians that have, you know, Uyuni, and that's a massive deposit, uh, landlocked, uh, they would be a fantastic beneficiary, you know, solar power, batteries, electrolysis, purification. Then they just have to do what they need to do, which is to make ponds evaporate it, then they could pass it over and we could purify it and uh, electrolyze it, right? So, you know, there's deposits in every continent that could use it, whether hard rock uh, or brine. But, but, how do you, but how do you get into the point is it, with, the, with the CapEx requirement, is it de minimis yeah. in the context of contracts that you could have in place uh, or how and who finances that and what sort of quantum would we be talking about? So each time you do this, you can have a sense of what it's going to take to. Yeah. So look, you know, the last numbers we had out, you know, for a, for a spodge main converter, you know, sort of five years ago, it was about 138 million US. So, you know, you could, you could use some inflation figures there, obviously with the brine operation, you don't have to put the uh, spodge main converting kilns. Um, so that saves you a bit of a whack. Um, but how would, I mean, it's a 70-30 owned, 70% near metals, 30% 30 owned mineral resources. Uh, it depends on, on, on what you do. You know, some big producers might want to license it. Um, some guys, you know, might want to do joint venture and some, some might want to do all three. So initially, you know, they want to get their, their ponds up, get some cash flow get downstream, maybe use our process, maybe use the, the normal process, but it's um, enabling those operations to start up as a concentrate where before that actually wasn't a market. We need to get more lithium into the market. And the, the, the Spodgeman guys are doing a fantastic job. You know, we're building converters here, we're building new mines, there's, there's debt and equity for mines. A lot of the Australians and the African guys, you know, they're flying along. But why is there no real big licks coming out of the brines, right? Because despite having, you know, what they say is a massive operating cost advantage, none of these guys are investing in anywhere near the capacity that the Chinese and Australians and Africans are, uh, have, are investing um, to respond to the market, right? Some of these guys say, oh, you know, we might put on 100,000 tonnes capacity. You know, we're, we're in the market where we're needing millions of tonnes to be added, you know, so. So, but, but does, 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 is, the, is this sort of market trend? When, you, when we talked about wedging your spinner um, previously, and I think the nickel price then was between 16 and 18,000, you know, you said 25,000, this thing works. So that's just a supply demand delta thing and it's coming and I think we're up over 20,000 at the moment. It's, you know, it all, it all it's, it's all good as long as the market reacts and helps you. Does, would this work at today's lithium prices, which I've seen a you know, tremendous growth this last year, 
Or again, does it need you know a price some point in the future for this scenario to work? No, it'll actually work better. You know, you'll have more people coming to you at lower prices, right? Because it's it's a capital and operating cost saving that is uh, is the centre of the technology, right? Yeah, you're eliminating massive imported reagents and moving those around, massive movement of of um, liquids, you know, uh, carbon that's generated in in those big supply chains. So at the current market, when the markets are really, really buoyant like this, you, you, you just need to get them into production. It really arguably doesn't matter whether you use our process or the incumbent one. But what I'm saying, with the incumbent brine process, there haven't been that many. I mean, lax developing now, Lithium Americas, um, but then, you know, there's no real major other ones outside of the, obviously, the existing guys trying to do the brownfields expansions, but I don't think anyone's really covered themselves in glory there in the past, you know, five or six years. They certainly haven't contributed anything near as meaningful as the spodumene guys. And the spodumene guys will, and the Chinese, the Australian spodumene and the Chinese converters can uh, have done uh, and have the capacity to, you know, keep the market in balance um, into 2025, 2026. It's really, you know, um, it's as much as a technical solve to unlock these deposits as it is a cost argument. So if I, but if I, Chris, if I, if I look at, you've always had cash, right? Since you did the Mount Marion deal, you've always had cash and you just had big dividends to shareholders, all, all good stuff. Or is this going to take up a lot of money? You've talked about shared costs of 4 million bucks. It doesn't sound, sound like a lot, but that might be just phase one. What's the, what's the total investment of in this project required from you as, as your uh, portion of it? If it was to go through to production? Yeah. So you would have um, probably around 70, 70 odd million, 70 to 80 million US would be your funding requirement. But what, so what would have happened at, at that point where you've got an FID to make in terms of, um, you know, 70 million, it's, it's, it's more than the cash position that you've got at the moment. So what would you need to have in place to be able to say, right, now's the time to go forward with this and what type of funding would we be talking about here? Is this going to be uh, debt because of the sort of advanced nature of it or, or what? Yeah, so look, it'll be, in a, it, it'll be in a special purpose vehicle at this stage if it consummates and you form the joint venture. It will be Bond LT and then RAM, Read Advanced Materials, which is 70% near metals and... 30% min res. So the SPV will need to avail itself of, of, of financings. Now, all the lithium developers that I know of in Europe are highly confident of procuring the 30% capital funding uh, or capital cost rebate from the, uh, from the EU, which is designed to stimulate exactly what we're planning, which is domestic production of lithium chemicals in the EU to underwrite the future of the car industry and the uh, transition to more EVs. So what's, what's that conversation look like for you at the moment? Because obviously you, you, you know, a lot of your operations now are in Europe. 
Is that a much easier yeah. conversation now? Because hey, we're bring, we're going to bring you the uh, battery recycling. Hey, we've got vanadium recovery project here. Oh, by the way, we're now sure. doing a lithium project in Europe. So it's the same conversation. The same. Yeah, we've got. We're, you know, we'll have more and more people in Europe. So you know, our last of our team got out of hotel quarantine Sunday night. It was in the office yesterday, and uh, sorry, it was in the office today, Tuesday, and. Uh, you know, we will have more people there on a constant basis rotating through. Um, you know, obviously we are advancing our plan, plan to list on the uh, London Stock Exchange AIM market in the March quarter of next year. Um, we will be much more relevant and to, you know, gain access to the weight of green money that is available in Europe by having European projects and uh, Jeremy and I will no doubt when we can after February 5, we'll be traveling and getting in front of uh, our potential future investors and financiers and uh, showing them our wares. And, you know, this project, if you have a look, you know, at the sort of catalysts, we're looking mid-year for the battery recycling commercial, 50 tonne a day, uh, decision. We've got a 10 ton operation that we think we, uh, well, it will be in a position to start operations in the March quarter. Um, the vanadium recovery project is a decision for the end of 2022. And the lithium, you know, uh, the agreement with Bondelti, you know, gets to a head in mid 2023. So they are the pipeline of the the European projects, and obviously we've we've got a an upstream uh, hard rock titanium vanadium deposit that we're just running with a dedicated. I mean, all of the projects have got dedicated team and management, and they're all in joint ventures. So we're not actually looking to build up massive operational teams in Australia to run the the majority of the operations are designed to be run as as joint venture companies. Um, in the in the jurisdictions of our partners, so um, yeah, I mean, all good, a fantastic all good. pipeline of opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let, let's let's talk to because I do want to look to twenty twenty two. But um, I think Jeremy, you mentioned that you wanted to kind of pull up a slide just to help me to understand what you guys have done this year. I don't know if now would be the time to share that. Um, and just, just, I just want to talk through some, some of the things that you've had to do to kind of set you up to succeed in 2022, 2023. Here we go. What's this? Right. What's happened since last day? A AGM. Yeah. Um, so this is probably not a, yeah. not a bad way to, to share that information. So this is a slide we used at our AGM. So notwithstanding, you know, the AGM was through to 30 June 2021. It probably encapsulates all the way through to Christmas where we are now. And I think the message was, you know, that essentially the company had a, a really, really good year. Um, you know, shareholder returns were, were through the roof over a year and, and five years. We demonstrated that, you know, we had the appetite when um, some of the projects we're working on get mature enough to spin them out on their own. And that was what we did with Widgie Nickel, which was a... Uh, a new spin-out company and, and all the shares in that went to our existing shareholders and that was uh, financially pretty rewarding uh, for all the shareholders. 
we left the year with a with a bunch of cash and investments. We had uh, a good year in terms of progress, in terms of ESG. Put out our second sustainability report, set a bunch of deliverables and targets, and aligned ourselves with TCFD and a range of other things. So that's becoming a lot more mature. Grew the team. Um, you know, diversity goes up as part of that. There was a bit of succession in there as well with one of our non-executive directors stepping down. And as Chris said, uh, you know, we've got three core projects all poised next year for investment decisions and, and uh, a pretty exciting R&D development on Eli, which we were just talking about. And then, yeah, in terms of what happens beginning of next year, we'll start commercial operations, so earning revenue from our disposal recycling facility in Germany. And that's tracking really well in terms of the modifications we needed to make to the plant that already exists. So it's using the existing demonstration plant and putting that to work. And, uh, yeah, look, early next year as well, the London Stock Exchange listing remains on foot and on track. And, um, you know, everyone's very busy with admission documents, et cetera, that'll, that'll get tidied up the beginning of next year. Okay. And uh, you're moving to London, are you? I think Western Australia is a pretty nice place to be, but certainly we'll be spending a lot of time speaking to people in London. And uh, come, come February, West Australians are allowed to travel a bit more freely. So for sure, you're going to see near metals over in London. It's well. It's, it's a serious point, actually, because I think if, if more of your meetings aren't going to be in Europe, I mean, what size of team? What's the weight? You talk about staff count is up, and you know, um, great that there's thirty one percent female workforce. But you're going to have to also think about geography as to where people are based, because I, I guess COVID has said we can work remotely, but it's going to be better face to face, isn't it? Yeah, sure. We'll, yeah, we'll have implants sure. into each of the SPV teams for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, well, look, I, I mean, congratulations on the year. I mean, spectacular. I don't think anyone could argue with the move from moving away from mining and into project generation. It's, it's working. Are there going to be more things that we should be looking out for apart from the deliverables for 22, 2023 in terms of new initiatives? I, I'll have a crack at that. I, in terms of new initiatives, um, you know, we're pretty busy in terms of the, the pipeline of stuff we've got. So I don't think we intend to reinvent the wheel. But certainly, you know, lots of outcomes and, uh, you know, very busy development pathway on those three core projects and on Eli as well. But, you know, we've got the means to manage all of those. You know, we're not stretched on bandwidth so far because, as Chris mentioned, you know, they're joint ventures, they're set up with other people. You know, it's worth pausing for a second. Even on on Eli, it's worth considering that, you know, that is a a binding collaboration with a huge chemical company to scale up the technology at a pilot level and from that you know comes all the data from which you do your studies and and then you have a better handle on your costs and your returns and your business models to some of the questions that you're asking so it's all very much a stepwise process brilliant okay well guys i'm gonna say thank you very much for this year and thank you very much for today um we look forward to 2022 and seeing what you get up to and obviously delivering what you say you're going to deliver so um we'll see you next year thank you very much matt merry christmas to everyone and keep safe best wishes for 22 cheers